0: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. You ready? Okay. All right, Romans chapter 6 if you will. We're going to get started this morning, Romans chapter 6. We're going to we're going to be down in verse number 3 through 11 again this morning and uh uh kind of get back into this critical section and uh do some uh looking here and uh hopefully get down through verse 11. Uh that's the goal so we can move on into the second section here this morning I, this section is uh, critical because it begins to lay out the identification truths for the believer and uh, this will in this section we begin to see our position in Christ uh, the positionally where are we? And, and I'll be honest with you there is a, <laughs> a if you do not understand positionally where you are in Christ, then quite honestly, you're going to lead a very uh, unsatisfied Christian life. Because what begins to happen here in this section is you begin to learn about who you are in Christ. And when you learn who you are in Christ and what's going on in, in in our position, Chapter seven, by the way, we'll learn about our play. The uh, playing. uh, We we in chapter six we learn about our position in Christ. In chapter seven, we learn to play by the right rules of the game. Which game we're playing in? We're not playing. If we're playing football, we're going to play by the rules of football. Um, If we're playing volleyball, we do it that way. And then in chapter eight, we see the victory. And the stuff that we're in in Christ. And honestly, when you get into 6, 7, and 8, this is where most believers stop. They do not move out of chapter 1 to 5. And because they are scared to death of what is going on here now in chapter 6. And what happens is, is their old religious baggage, either of a denominational nature, or of no nature, of none. They begin, because what does verse 2 tell us? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? You see, it just cuts right to the quick of it. Because what we're going to learn is, is we don't stop sin in our lives because we hate sin. We don't stop sin in our lives because we love God, or because God hates sin. Sin's gonna. The reason that sin is going to stop in our life is because of verse 2. We are what? Dead to it. And there's this identification issue here that most believers struggle with because they don't want to believe what the verse says. What does verse 2 say? You're dead to sin. It doesn't say that sin is dead. It doesn't say that the old man's never going to bug you or bother you. It says what? Your relationship to that old is dead. And, and again, most, it's fascinating to me. I, I, you know, you, you pay attention to how, and what people say and so forth. And I sit there and I go, do you really know who you are in Christ? Have you been in chapter 6 yet of Romans? And unfortunately for a lot of people, it's a No. So this is a critical section. We introduced it last time. Uh, we went down through verse 3, 4, and 5 there. And uh, quite honestly, it's a critical section to get into our thinking properly. And, and to, you, you know, I, I tell you, read three chapters a day. You know, we go through that, read, do. When you read through chapters 6, 7, and 8, it, you ought to know this stuff. This ought to be in your head. But see, you have to not only leave it in your head, you've got to bring it down into the reality of your life. And that's what's going to happen here. You know, if you want to you understand some of the more advanced doctrines, if you will, you, can, you will never get them straight to their full potential if you don't have Romans 6, 7, and 8 under your belt, this section, specifically Romans 6. Because in Romans 7, we learn we're dead to the law. We understand that. We're good with that. Okay? And in Romans 8, you learn you're dead to the flesh, and then you're alive unto God. And we're good with that. But man, this dead to the sin stuff. Because how is it for the believer today, to live today, to serve today? How, are we, how is all this going to work out? Well, what does the verse say? We're dead to sin. Verse 3, we started last week, know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. So we learned last time that Christ did not die alone. You died with him. You were there. Okay. Now only Paul, only the Apostle Paul, our Apostle, gives us this information. You guys have heard me over the years say, With the revelation given to the apostle Paul, the meaning behind what happened at Calvary was revealed. The events of Calvary are made known. They're prophesied. They're talked about. But what does this mean? Here's one of those meanings. He didn't die alone. Now, on the cross, what does he say? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You go read the account in Psalms back there. He goes, I'm alone. You've left me. Where did you go? Paul comes along in the advanced revelation and says what? You weren't. He wasn't really alone. You died with Him. The issue of baptism here, the issue of identification. There's no water in verse 3 and 4. Verse 4, therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. There's no water there. It's a dry baptism. We went and looked. Over at 1 Corinthians 12, it's a, the, the one doing the baptizing here is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, baptizing you into the body. So it's an operation of God, Colossians 2 calls it. So just as we learned coming out of chapter 5, that everything that belonged to Paul, I'm sorry, to Adam, <laughs> 5.12, Therefore, as by one man's sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Just as everything that Adam gained and lost is passed to his descendants, now we're beginning to learn that everything that Christ gained, now he didn't lose anything. Everything that Christ establishes is passed to his descendants, if you will. Okay? If... All who are in Christ, by the way, you are his brother, by the way. You're his brethren. Okay, chapter 8, we'll get over there. So much in 8, man, that just ties, but you've got to have 6 before you get to 8. All, that, all of the benefits that he provides, all of the blessings that the Lord Jesus Christ achieved He achieved on our behalf. Now, again, you have to be in Christ, okay, to to get those blessings. Look in verse 6. We talked last time about the glory of the Father. The glory there isn't the fact that he raised up Christ from the dead. We understand that. That's the power and so forth. But the glory there that he would also, even so we, what, also The glory issue here is the fact that he has a plan and a purpose for you and I. Not just to raise Christ up, but also to do what? Include us in the what? The newness of life. I love that newness of life. I look back at my notes. We didn't really talk much about that last time because we were talking about baptism and everything. The newness that is not rehab. It's not renewed. You see that? It's not born-again life, by the way. There's a couple groups out there that like to say they're right divider guys, that we, should, we are really born again. It doesn't say that. It says what? Newness. Something new. Something brand new. New life. New creature. So now you have Paul begin to introduce to us new creature terminology. I tried to tell you there's terms here. We'll see here as we go down through, we're going to see the term dead. We're going to see the term live, alive, life. So you've got this newness of life. Uh, come over to Galatians 6. Galatians 6. You know, um, uh, I forgot who I was reading, but the comment was that the best commentary on the book of Romans is First and 2 Corinthians and Galatians are the best commentaries on the book of Romans. Because what does he do in Corinthians and Galatians? He's correcting and reproving and fixing some bad thinking that comes out of not having Romans as a foundation. Galatians 6, look at verse 15. For in Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a what? A new creature. Come back to 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, verses that we're very familiar with. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. By this verse, I have a lot of stuff written, but the big thing that I have written that's boxed, and for me, highlighting is boxing it, okay? I don't highlight stuff with the highlighter. Is the word identity. Because that's what this verse is all about. Verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creature. Old things are what? Not renewed. Not made new. Are what? Passed away. Behold, all things are become what? New. You can't improve on it. So let's leave the old... Go back to Romans 6, on the cross. See? Let's leave the old guy, that old situation, on the cross, and let's walk in the newness of life. That's what he says back here in 6, verse 5. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Again, that issue of the glory and, and our future. Verse 6, knowing this. Now, what's going to happen here in verse 6 down to, to, through uh, this section, the rest of this section is whatever happened to Christ happens to us because we're in him. But how does that work? What are the mechanics of it? How, how does all this begin to work together? Because what begins to happen is... is we still are sitting here in this old body, aren't we? Oh, yeah. Again, we are dead to sin. It doesn't say sin is dead. Say that to you're sick and tired of me hearing me say it. <laughs> because what do we usually think? Well, no. Verse 6, knowing this. Again, notice how Paul, knowing this, know this, know ye not. Likewise, reckon ye. Yield. We're going to get down into the yielding next time. Yield. What do you do when you yield? Go faster. <laughs> you know, you see the yield sign and vroom. No, what do you do? You, you, you slow down and you look the situation over and then you proceed. Right? You're, you're giving. But if you see someone in the intersection, what do you do? You stop and let them go. Or in Bob's case, you gun it and right on through, you know. Okay. Uh, Exactly. Don't get in his way. But see, when you you yield, there's something completely different. By the way, look at verse 13. Neither yield your, your members as what? Instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. And your members as, we're going to look at that issue of instruments. An instrument of righteousness now. Something I told you when we, a couple weeks ago, you're going to be able to do something you could never do before. And that issue down in verse 19 there about your uh, servants to righteousness unto holiness. How can you be holy? Well, you can be holy because of who you are in Christ. And as, as one of the identification issues in, in that issue of who you are in Christ is verse 6, knowing this, that our old man is what? Crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. No, again, if I ask you, if, how, how many of you are saved? All the hands go up in the room, by the way, for the internet. Because it can't see you. How do you know that? Because the book tells you that, right? Do you question it? All right. What's the book telling you here now? You're dead to this stuff. But we do what with it? We question it, and it's like, wait a minute. The verse says I'm dead to it. So then, what do I need to do with my thinking? I have to adjust some thinking here. That that verse over there in 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Old things are passed away. He's talking about your thinking, about who you are, your identity. Who are you? You're a new creature. We ought to think new, uh, the new way here. But notice verse 6 carefully. The old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. All right, so how does that happen? Come over back over with me to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, a passage we were in last week. We're, we'll be here again just to, to get this issue. Crucified, destroyed. All right, how did that happen? By the way, all of this is in a past tense, tense-wise, in, in Romans 6, it's done. It is already done. Freed, verse 7 there, he says, for he that is dead is freed da, 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 from sin. It doesn't say free from sin. It says freed. It's a done deal. Our problem is, is when the old guy shows up, we kind of tend to cave into him. <laughs> and Paul says, no. Should we continue to live in sin? No, man, God didn't save you so you could go keep living any way you wanted to. No, God forbid. you got to remember who you are. Colossians 2, look, if you will, verse 11. Just getting in. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made, notice, Without hands, no human involvement. That issue of baptism we looked at last week, no water ceremony, no human involvement, no religious activity at all in putting off of the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So how is the old man crucified? How is the old man destroyed? It's by the what? The circumcision of Christ. See verse 11? So what does he, by, by the way, notice in 6.6 6 it says the body of sin. And then in 11 it says putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh. In 6 he's dealing with the root issue. In 2.11 11 here, now we're talking about some fruit and some more than just the root thing here. But how does that happen? In putting off. I, I you think about this: uh, putting off, destroyed, crucified. If you are circumcised without hands, by the way, circumcision just means the cutting away of the flesh. I want to kind of put an illustration in your mind. Think about someone who has... Th- think about if the doctor came to you and said, we got to cut your foot off. That's putting off. That's circum- amputation. Okay? So you go in and they cut your foot off. You said no? Okay. <laughs> they cut your foot off. What is usually the recount of someone who has lost a member of their body? You ever hear them talk about phantom pain? And they still think it's there. That's what's going on with you in the inner man. He has cut that old guy off. He's put it away. He's taken you and he's circumcised you. You're in Colossians 2, verse 12, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. He takes you. You can go back to chapter 6 now. He takes you and he performs a spiritual operation where he takes your body and and the the body of sin. Okay? The the body in Adam, your body could never be used to bring honor and glory to God. That's what chapter 1 to 5 told you. You're a louse, you're a sloth. You're a sinner. You're an enemy. But in Christ now, guess what your body can be used to? Honor and glory. Holiness. How? What did he do to you? He came in and he cut off that old man. And he said it's not there anymore. Problem is, is what do we tend to do every now and then? Feeling. Phantom pain, if you will. Okay? Now, that's our identity. That's our position in Christ. Now we can produce holiness. Now, when we reach over and we feel that pain of a member that is no longer there, that's why I wanted you to think about the amputation. You know, I've read the accounts where people lose limbs and they struggle forever because they think their arm is still there. Well, what do we tend to do in our Christian life? We struggle because every now and then that amputated guy shows up in our Where where though, in our thinking. This guy never left. My body, it never, it's just getting old. You know, I got on the scale today, I lost a couple more pounds. But I lost what I gained over Christmas, so don't yay me yet, okay? (laughs) All right. I ain't lost nothing, is right. Actually, I got five more to go, you know. <laughs> but see, the thing is, is that's that. It's where it's in our thinking, it's in our mindset, it's in our management of how we think about things, how we process things down. We've been our the the tyranny. Look look look, look back up in chapter five. Look at verse twenty one. That as sin hath, what? Reigned unto death. Reigned. Sin reigned in your body. It had authority. It had power. It held a tyranny grip on you until you were justified. And one of the things, part, when you, as soon as you were justified, God reaches in, Christ reaches in, and he cuts out that tyranny. He cuts out that power. He cuts out that bondage that you and I had to sin. Now again, we are dead to sin. It doesn't say sin is dead. What kills sin, by the way? Ultimately, what's going to get sin? The grave. When you die physically, guess what sin has done? Lost its complete control. (laughs) Okay? All right? But until then, what has he done? He's come in and he's operation. Without hands, he's doing this. By the way, you don't feel it. This is something you're putting into your mindset, into your thinking. Into thinking down through. Now, again, you still feel the old man sometimes. But the, real, the reality is, is he's gone. He's been crucified, verse 6. You guys follow what's happening here. This is a mindset. This is now how you're going to think about this stuff. How do you look at this? So then when you get over in these, advanced, when you get over in chapter 12 of Romans, down through the end of that chapter, and you begin to look at how you're relating to everything around you, you have to relate this way. Otherwise, you're going to do what? You're going to do exactly what verse 1 says. You're going to go continue living in sin. And you're going to go, why can't I quit sinning? And it's because you've done what? You've decided to allow sin, that old cut-off man, to creep back in and to run your life. If you've ever been around someone that has an amputee, amputated limb... Some of those folks fall to and let that phantom pain if you will run their life. When that member's gone. That's what's happening here. We still have the struggle by the way. You still have sin, it's still there's an influence, but spiritually what's verse 6 say? It's been destroyed. It's been crucified it's been removed from the equation so the you've heard me say Titus 2:12 teaching us that denying ungodliness denying how do you deny something you know what you say i'm not going to do that i'm going to what stop on my little diet thing losing weight i stop no sugar that's really hard you know it's even harder no wheat Cause boy, nothing like a hoagie bun with the hot dog in it. Ooh, baby. Mm. But because I I can't have dairy anyway, so there went the ice cream. Right? You know, tomorrow night's the championship Alabama game. You know, and you're gonna sit down, and I'm looking at Linda. I go, man. In the past, we'd have hot dog, a hamburger, pizza, chips, and dips, and just have a big smorgasbord. And it's just me. You know, the rest of you are on your own. Not anymore. Now it's grapes. And apples and bananas and nuts, No, nah, okay. that <laughs> yeah, sounds booze, right? No, because but what do you do? You think that way. I, you have to readjust your thinking. It's the same thing here. Again, sin isn't dead. Our relationship to, to it is dead. Look over. Oh, there's a verse. You know I've been you know how verses pop into your head and then they uh, I'll think about it. Verse 6, 66. Six. This verse has to do with the power, the authority, the dominion, the reign that sin had in the body. Sin used sin used the body. As a vessel to carry out and to do and to and to to do its bidding. That's why Satan, you know, your makeup. God works spirit, soul, and body. James says that Satan works body, soul, and spirit. And literally, what God did at Calvary and when you when when you were justified, as He reached in there and He trimmed that away. That that body and soul are no longer connected. He got rid of that bondage. Now the soul, that's you, your inner man, the spirit and the soul there, you, you dictate now what the body is going to go and do. Before your body told you, it was a pig, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Your soul might have said, no, we're not. He goes, oh, yeah, we are, watch. <laughs> in Christ now, we have a newness. We don't have a, for the, look at verse 23, 623. We use this verse in, in gospel work, evangelistic work. Great verse, but this verse isn't in the context isn't talking about getting saved. It's talking about your walk, your identification. What is the wage of sin? Isn't that interesting that he will say Paul will talk about in the context of talking about servants. Again, this is next week. The New Bibles say slave. It's not a slave, a servant. A servant gets a wage. A slave does not get a wage, but a servant gets a wage. See that? What is the the payment of sin? Death. But in Christ, the free gift of God is what? Eternal life. We got life, don't we? You see, in Christ, we have a newness of life that now causes our body to no longer be under the control of sin. Sin. No longer to be that vessel for sin to go and do. Because what is it, verse 6? It's been destroyed. It's now we can use this. And we can do what? Go produce the fruits unto righteousness, unto holiness. We uh, we adjust our thinking. The outcome of that is verse 7. For he that is dead is freed from sin. I, I, folks, don't get me wrong. I understand. We fall in chapter 7 syndrome over here with Paul there in verse uh, 13. 7, 13, Was then that which is good made death unto me, God forbid, but sin. Verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under flesh. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. Don't you struggle like that. Chapter 6 says you don't need to struggle, because what are you? Verse 7, you're freed from sin. By the way, I'll notice something here. Verse 2, how shall we that are, see that, dead to sin? Look at verse 7. For he that is dead is what? Freed. Verse 18, look at verse 18. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Verse 22 But now being made free from sin What are you? You're free from sin How do you know that? Not because Rick said it because the verses say it And become servants to God ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting Notice something. 6-2 You are dead to sin so that we are free from sin Verse 7 so that we can now be servants of righteousness, verse 18, so our fruit is unto holiness, verse 22. It starts with the facts. I told you when I outlined the passage. Verse 1 and 2, here's the declaration of the facts. 3 to 11, here's, the, here's the, how, right, how all this is going to work. And verse 12, 12 to the end is going to be the application of it. Here's what it looks like in life. Again, it starts knowing this. No, know. Where do you know stuff? In that thinking process of the soul and of the spirit. Watch verse 8. Now if we be dead with Christ, what's the next two words? What is it? We believe that we shall also live with him. Why? Verse 9, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. We're dead to sin. Why? How do you know that? Because what? Verse 8, we believe. Again, the verse, these are the, what the verses are saying. We're quick, quick to believe what other verses say about other things. But man, when it comes to sin in our life and how to deal with it, we're going to run right back over there and say, no, 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 no. Now, by the way, you'll notice I didn't say you don't ever have that you lost the sin nature, because that's what usually people say. I never said you lost sin. I said your relationship to sin is now what dead, destroyed, crucified. Sin is still present. It's an enemy. The grave is the only place you get ever get rid of sin. How you can how how you no longer have it to reign into your, in your life is what we're talking about here. Okay. We have control over sin. We're dead to it. We just have to believe it. <laughs> now look at verse 8. First word, now. <laughs> right here, right now. Now. Today, twenty. what is this? January 10th, 2021. Now. Not in the past. <laughs> By the way, Also, this is our condition, because look at what he says, verse 8. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. You see that issue of live with him? Some will say that's only a future situation, okay? Because one day we'll get our glorified bodies and we'll go live with him and there'll be no more sin. Is that true? Yes. But it's also true that it's now. It's right now. see. So, is it it present and future? The answer is yes. Okay. (laughs) Just trim a lot of nonsense down to a yes or no. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. If you look at verse 4, Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was... Raised up from the dead, see that raised up by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. In Christ, what happened? Death, he's raised up. We have newness of life. Again, you can't reform the old guy. It's not rehab. It's not a renewal program. It's not a reconditioning program. It's a what? It's a newness. It's a new thing. Most believers, when sin shows up in their life, you know what most believers do? They run back to the old way of thinking, and they try to gussy themselves up to be presentable. And you can't do it. You try to come over here and go, well, you know what, if I can do this, you you do Operation Fig Leaf. You remember Adam and Eve in, in the garden in Genesis 3? That's what you tried to do. Paul's like, no. When sin shows up, you know what you say? That's what hung my Savior on Calvary. And let's put that thing out of here. Let's put off the old man and the lust of his deeds, Ephesians and Colossians tells you and let's, put on, let's be renewed in our mind, and let's put on the new man, Ephesians 4. About 21, 22, 23, right down in there. You see, hey, you didn't get rid of the sin. It's there. It's an influencer. It's an enemy. It's an aggravator. It's something you put on guard against, but you don't let it run your life. Most people, most believers, I should say, Sin pops up. You know what it begins to do? It begins to run their life. That phantom pain idea, that amputation thing. You know what our reality is? Verse 8, if we be dead with Christ. That's verse 4. Are we dead with Christ? Yes. That co-death, burial, and resurrection. We died with him. We believe. And again, that's boxed on my in my verse. <laughs> because you remember that verse in First Thessalonians two, verse thirteen? Run over there. You guys are looking at me like, huh? It's just ten ten, 10 on the tenth. So Sunday morning. It's okay. I've been waiting to get at you all week. <laughs> been licking my chops is right. Look at First Thessalonians two thirteen, the end of the verse. The word of God which effectually worketh also in you, that what? Believes. 6.8. We believe because of the identification principles, because of who we are in Christ, because we have the code code death and burial, we believe also what's going to happen to us. Verse 8. We're going to live with him. And that living, again, living with Him, now, in time, right, stinking, now. We're able to go and live with Him. Live is who we are in Christ. Come over to Galatians 2, verse number 20. Galatians 2, verse 20. Galatians 2, verse 20. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, by the way, in Galatians 2, verse 20, you have Romans 6, 7, and 8 in one verse. Okay? Remember I said commentary on Romans? Here's one verse that holds the crux of what's in Romans 6, 7, and 8. I am crucified with Christ. There's chapter 6. Nevertheless, I live; yet what, not I? There's chapter seven. But Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, where's that? That's right now, isn't it? I live by the faith of the Son of God, who lo- now there's chapter eight, by the way. Okay. But what I want you to see is, and the life which I now live, where? In the flesh. You see, we live now. Right now. Where do we live? In these identification truths. We're not waiting for the future out there to enjoy this. That's the point. On your way uh, back to Galatians 4. <laughs> you catch that, didn't you? Galatian, look over at Galatians I, I, um, oh, I just had the passage. Go, r- hold on to Galatians. Run back to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. I just... 1 Corinthians 13. See, folks, right now, this stuff's designed for now, in time, for you to live as who you are in Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians 13. Look at verse 11. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. You you matured up. You got the completed revelation now. So we're going to think like a man. But watch verse 12. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part and so forth. You see that, but then face to face. Every commentary, even grace commentaries, will say that the face to face is the rapture. So, think, now think about that. What that says is, is that God is not concerned with you maturing and growing now in time, but you're to wait until you get up there into the heavenly places. What does Galatians 2.20, what does Romans 6.8 say? No, we, we are to live now. We're to come along and to function now. We're to start living now. We're to live life now. Now go back to Galatians 4. Galatians 4. We're to start enjoying his life now. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son. I I can enjoy this now. I don't have to wait. Boy, what a wonderful, gracious God (laughs) And Savior. Now he doesn't say, hey, I'm gonna gonna justify you, I'm gonna give you everything, I'm gonna make you complete, I'm gonna bless you, I'm gonna get you all sufficient, and I just need you to hang out a little for 80 years until you get up to heaven, and then you're really gonna get to enjoy it. He says to Timothy over there in, 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 in 2 Timothy, he says, godliness is profitable now. Man, you're to enjoy this now. You're to look at this and go, this is who I am now. (laughs) I'm that way. By the way, you are this out in the future. Don't get me wrong. Okay? Because a new body comes in and you get out there and you get in the glory. But right now, look at Galatians 4. Look at verse 19. My little children, of whom I travail in birth again. I mean, Paul, bless his heart, the Galatians were just that group that just, would, they mix law and grace. They've mixed the works together. And he says, my little children, of whom I travail in birth again. Now, but watch the rest of the verse, because this is what I'm after. Until Christ be what? Formed in you. The functioning of the newness of life. Christ be what? Formed in you. Come over to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. You see, folks, this image, we're going to learn in chapter 8 of Romans that, well, you got 2 Corinthians? Look at Romans 8 just real quick. Romans 8 and verse 29. Romans 8 and verse 29. Romans 8, 29, hold on to 2 Corinthians 3, Romans 8, 29, and we know that all things, uh, verse 29, sorry, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many, what, that's the verse that tells you you're, the, you're a brother to Christ, you're his brethren, you're his descendants, you're his relations. Because you're in Him. Okay? But notice that firstborn. Firstborn from what? From the dead. But notice it says there's a predestination involved here. There's something that's been predetermined for you to be what? Conformed to the image of His Son. What did Galatians 4 say? That Christ be what? Formed in you. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit... And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face behold, beholding as a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. See that changed into the, into the same image? Come over to Colossians chapter 3. You you have been changed into the same image. So you know what that sets you to do? The Spirit of the Lord is what? Liberty. Guess what you're free to do now? Not sin. You're free to do chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. You're free to come along and say, I am not going to live that way. Because I'm such a good guy. No. No. I'm not, I, I'm not going to live that way because I'm not going to, because I know God hates sin. Well, no, duh. <laughs> I'm not going to live this way because this is who I am in Christ. I've been changed. Colossians 3.1, if you then be risen with Christ, here it is, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above. Not on things on the earth, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. And that's the ticket right there. What are we to be doing? What are we to be setting? Our, we're to seek and then we're to set. Seek it out, find it, study it, learn it, get the information. Know ye not, get it in there, and then set our affections. That word affection is a big word, everybody oh, just what you love. it's more than just what you love, okay I mean, I enjoy Alabama football, but it doesn't control me <laughs> like some do, okay <laughs> yeah, I lost that one, okay, go back to Romans six <laughs> no no, what does it do? it does use that that is a the control issue is an affection, okay? I was talking to Hans the other day, and he asked me about my motorcycle, and the wreck, and it's still sitting in the junkyard. Yeah. Problem is, is I went to the Harley shop the other day, and I f- <laughs> drooled over a few, a new one, you know. But, but I didn't get it, <laughs> you know, because I got a forget thing at home that if I do, I'm, I'll be, I'll be amputated from about the head up, you know. <laughs> Then my head will be gone. But you know what that is? That, that's a just a, hey, you know, I'd like to do it. But man, Monday night at 6 p.m. is a, we're doing that. That's an affection. Both of those are affections. It's deep. It's not just, oh, I love to do this. No, it controls me. What is to control you? Set your affections on things what? Above. Who are you? That's what we're doing here in Romans 6. These identifications. Verse 8, we're going to live with him. That we should also live with him. To, to live with the Lord Jesus Christ. Newness of life right now. Right now in time. Living with him is a reference to being alive functionally. Right now for the purpose of carrying out the plan and the purpose of God and the glory and the issues of what He has for you as a member of the body of Christ to participate in His glory plan. That's why we went through the glory plan all last year, all during the summer. Walked down through that stuff. Why? Because that is so critical to get into your understanding that you're an integral part of that. Newness of life There. Again, has to do with that image of Christ. You remember that verse over man, the verse is just flowing today, man. Second Corinthians. Now I gotta find it. They're flow. 1 uh, Corinthians 2. Verse 16. The end of the verse. Verse 16, he says, For who hath made known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. I don't know if you've ever thought about it. You have the mind of Christ. Now, where is the mind of Christ? Well, one, it's in the Word of God, rightly divided. But it's also in you, because we live with him. He's living with us. We can now go and put on display his attitudes, his love, his esteem, his thinking about the situation. How do I think about this? Well, how would, what would Christ look like in this situation? And you can do that. All right, 6 9. We've got to get going. <laughs> got three verses in 10 minutes. We can do it. Verse 9. Knowing. There's that word again. Knowing. Again, in your thinking, in your mindset, in your processes of looking down and saying, how how in the world does this work? How in the world am I dead to sin? How does the mechanics work? He's going to come in and and circumcise me. He's going to destroy the body. He's going to do this. But I'm still here. I'm still functioning. That old man still shows up from time to time, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God." Notice, death no more. Verse 9, death hath no more dominion over him. Why doesn't death have dominion over the Lord? He died to it how many times? Once. How many times have you died to death, to sin? Once, Calvary. And guess what? Look at verse 11. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. Same for you. Isn't that fascinating? By the way, verse, nine, verse 10, for in that he died, he died unto sin once. Notice it doesn't say that he died for sin. That's chapters 1 to 5, the propititorial act information. He says he died unto sin. That's fantastic. You see, there's two sides to the cross. Side A is Romans 1 to 5, your justification, where your sin, your forgiveness of sins and sin and un- justified unto eternal life, is taken care of. But side B is chapter 6 to 8, where he not only did he pay for the penalty of sin, now he's dealing with the power of sin. And that's the issues here of identification stuff. And he says, you got both sides working here. And you know what it's designed to do? It's designed to, to produce something that's holy in you. In you. Unto sin is critical in verse 10. Again, not for it. The issue here is unto. When you do unto, not into, not by, not for, unto. The Lord Jesus Christ submitted himself willingly to the power of sin. He's tempted in all points as common to man, but what? No sin. He had to be made sin, right? Remember the verses? The Do the, you think about what the Lord did in those three hours of darkness on Calvary? That, that he approached death and sin and submitted himself to the power of sin. Now you think about that. Chapter 5, verse 12. How does God die? I, I, I got a question here. How does God die? Well, 5.12, what does it say? It's death by what? By sin, right? Wherefore, it's by one man sin in the world, and, and, and death by sin. How did Christ die? By sin. Verse 21, 5.21. Then as sin hath, what? Reigned unto what? Death. The wages of sin is what? Death. What did he do? Come over to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. What did he do? He submitted himself to the power of sin. Now, sin didn't hold him because he's God, but what did he do to it? He died unto sin once. 1 Corinthians 15, look at verse 55. O death, where is thy sting? Isn't that interesting? Sting. Think about a stinger in a, in a, in a little bumblebee. It's an influencer, isn't it? It's, uh, it's, it's got some power over you. I was stung by a scorpion uh, last summer, and you know what? It influenced me greatly. <laughs> it didn't feel so good. Okay? O grave where is thy victory the sting of death is what sin and the strength of sin is the law the lord when the lord jesus christ died he went to death to sin and he submitted to its power so that he, and he did it For who? For mankind. And he did it to be identified with mankind as my sin. Go back to Romans 6. You see, folks, there, again, a lot of stuff going on in here because of verse 11. But look at verse 10. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. Once. He did something to rob sin of its power and authority and influence so that we can live right now free from that power, influence, and authority. What did he do? Up from the grave he arose. And because of his resurrection and the fact that we're co-identified in that event of his resurrection, what do we now have? The newness of life And folks that's that free gift of grace verse 10 For in that he died he died unto sin once but in that he liveth he liveth unto God why Why did he go die one time? Why did he do what he did, verse 10, so that we could do what? Live unto God. Not go back and live in sin. You were doing a good job of that before you were justified. But rather to do what? To go live. So then what are we to do? Verse 11. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Likewise. You see what he did? What's going on there? Likewise. Back up there in verse 5. Also in the likeness of his resurrection. Likewise. You see what he did? That's what you're going to do. You're going to reckon. I love that word, reckon. It has, in its etymology, it's a reckoning is a, an accounting term where you count things up and you make them all there. But when you parse that word back even further, it's literally the word for a garden rake. Because what does a garden rake do? It gathers everything up into a pile, doesn't it? Right? So when you reckon something, what are you going to do? You're going to count it to be so, but you're going to bring all the numbers in to one pair one one section. You're not going to leave anything strangling out there. You're going to bring it all together. Do you follow that? You're going to be like that garden rake out there. You know, we were the leaves were everywhere and Brian cheated and got the blower out. But otherwise you're out there with the what? And that's not cheating, okay. That's working smart, smarter, not harder. Okay. See, well, what you do, you get. I would get the rake. Because I don't have a blower. Because <laughs> I'm for doing it, I'm for cheating. Okay? I have a blower. I just don't have any leaves anymore, which is a good thing. The thing is, is I likewise reckon. Count it to be so, you're going to count it. But you're going to bring it all. You're going to bring all this together in our thinking process. You're going to. You're going to bring it all in there. You're going to bring all of the truth into our thinking. And you know what you're going to do, verse 13? And then you're going to yield. And we'll look at all this next time. You're going to obey it. You're going to live by it. Folks, he freed us from sin so that we could go and live unto God. And what we have to do is say that word, indeed. Are you dead to sin? Indeed, I am. Why? Because I'm in Christ. And my identity in Christ says that I am freed from it. It has no control, rule, or reign. And I'm able to go live my life now in that identity. Well, what happens when you sin? Well, I would suggest that you stop sinning. And then do what in your thinking? How did I get here? what decisions needed do i need to adjust examine yourself <laughs> look in- internal and say okay how did i get here how did i process this because we're going to find out we're also instruments just as the blower is the instrument in landscaping think about a painter you know and think about the tools of the trade type thing you are now a tool <laughs> Because you're going to be used now. Okay? So we'll pick up in verse 12. I didn't think we'd get there, but we did. We're a few minutes over. But it's this is important stuff, folks, because it's all about how you think about it. You've got to put off the old man, that old way of thinking. Why? He's dead. Don't let that amputated guy run your life. Come over here and live in that newness of who you are. Now, we'll pick up in verse 12. Again, we'll talk about instruments and yielding, and we'll work our way down through. We'll talk about servants and slaves and all the good stuff, okay? But the critical stuff is right here. Are you dead to sin? Indeed, I am. Indeed. Not, oh, yeah, I think so. No, indeed. So now go live that way. Count it to be so. Reckon it. Make it, Okay. All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for who we are in your Son, for your plan to put us there from from before the foundation of the world. And we thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen.